Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Jesus, whom they crucified, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said, repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and all who are far away, including the Gentiles, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. So we see the New Testament there, Peter's establishing the model here um, for faith and practice. And and I'll come back to that in a second, but I should refresh your memory about the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And if you remember way back in the Old Covenant, in the Garden of Eden, you had Adam and his wife, and they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered in death entered in and suddenly sin and death were present in planet earth where it didn't exist before and now and now because of that um, God had to kill an animal and cover them with skins so blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sins and that generation just kind of progressed worse and worse and worse and then there was a judgment with Noah and his family were able to come through the flood and everyone else was wiped out but humans messed it up again uh, as we tend to do sometimes. So God identified a man, Abraham, from which he brought forth a nation, Israel, where he identified one household, David, and he brought forth Jesus, the Messiah, which cut the new covenant with his own blood. But the practice in the old covenant from the time of Moses was they built a tabernacle when they were traveling around. And then later Solomon made it a temple. And in the, in the Holy of Holies, in the one place the temple or the one place in the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant where the mercy seat was and the priest or the high priest could go in and sprinkle blood on the altar and by faith in that sacrifice their sins would be forgiven for one year but they had to rinse and repeat this all the time they had to keep doing this when Jesus came John the Baptist called him what the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world and Jesus shed his own blood on the cross and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in the presence of God and the altar in heaven. And guess what? By faith in his sacrifice, your sins are eradicated or eliminated, and they're not held against your charge anymore. So the New Testament model for faith and practice or for salvation started with repentance from sin. Then it was belief in Jesus as the Messiah or a Savior. And then baptism was a sign of your immersion into the new life. And I'm not going to necessarily call people to baptism today, but I'm going to do a call to repentance in a second. And this is how it works. How many know that God established his law? How many have heard of the Ten Commandments? Has anyone not heard of the Ten Commandments? A couple of you. The Ten Commandments were simply the commands that God gave the nation of Israel as a guide um, for how to live, how he wanted to live. You know, love the Lord your God first and foremost. And then, Uh, from there, it was kind of all application on how we're supposed to love each other. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, don't covet, 
right? You know what I'm talking about? Now, how many of you have broken all of the Ten Commandments? Absolutely. And some of you haven't got your hands raised and you say, I've never murdered anyone, but I've done everything else. But the Bible says if you've ever thought hatred towards someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. Are we seeing how this works? And you say, I've never committed adultery. Well, have you ever lusted after someone? Because if you lusted and thought about it, you already committed adultery. You already broke God's law. The point of the law is so that we would realize that we're not good enough. We can't do it. The law was impossible to keep. No human except Jesus, who was also 100% God, um, was able to keep God's law without breaking it. And because you've broken his law, you're a sinner and you're separated from God and your sin. And we all needed Jesus to come into our life and save us from our sin. We needed to accept his sacrifice. Are you tracking with me okay? Okay. Now, repentance from a sinful life, faith in Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf, and then an outward sign of the inward change, which was what baptism was at that time. And now baptism doesn't save you. Faith does. It signifies your acceptance of the terms of the covenant, or the, 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 your acceptance of the terms of living a Christ-centered or Christ-controlled life. So if everyone could just stand with me for a second. Maybe 30 or five minutes or two hours. I don't know. We'll see. Here's my question for all of you. Many people believe in God. Many people identify as religious. Many people call themselves Christ followers. Jesus, in his great commission, told us to go and make disciples, not to make followers. And I'm going to come back to that. Actually, I'll read it to you. A disciple is one who accepts and assists in the spreading of the doctrines of another, or someone who believes and helps to spread the doctrine of another. In this case, we're talking about Jesus. So disciples of Jesus believe, adhere to, practice, the teachings of Jesus, as well as share that teaching with others. Now, I don't want to see hands because lots of people believe in Jesus, but they don't take on the teachings of Jesus and carry the teachings of Jesus. And other people believe in Jesus, but they don't tell others about Jesus. You cannot be a disciple unless you're believing and assisting in spreading the message. When we teach and practice, we are disciples who make disciples. We give people the tools to live the Christian life so that they can go out and help others to live the Christian life. This is the practice that Jesus set up when he was here and he imparted to his disciples who from generation to generation have imparted to other disciples who have imparted to other disciples. And here we are generations later and the still same practice is still in effect. Now, if you're standing here today and you call yourself a Christ follower, or you want to be a Christ follower, or you're someone who maybe is just realizing now, maybe I have a sin problem that's separating me from God. Maybe my sin is keeping me from my relationship with God because you've never repented of your sin. People are sorry when they get caught. People are sorry because they have consequence in their life. But repentance is, 
I don't want to sin anymore. I want to turn my life around and start living differently. If you're here and you've never repented of your sin, you've never said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You've never acknowledged him in front of people. You've never, you've never said, God, my life's a mess. I need you. God, my life's pretty good, but I still have all these issues. <laughs> God, I've got some active things in my life that aren't from you that I need to get rid of. And you repent. And you say, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to leave my past life behind. I want to step into the new, make me a new creation. Forgive me of my sin. Heal my heart of the pain. Get rid of the shame. Help me to walk out of my past and start walking forward in your future. And then help me to learn enough about you so I can go share with others so that others too can come to know you. See, this is what making disciples, this is discipleship. We don't want to make converts. We don't want people to just believe in Jesus. The devil even believes in Jesus and he's afraid because he realizes that one day Jesus is going to judge him and send him to a lake of fire. Believing alone isn't going to get you there. Faith in the sacrifice, taking on obedience to his commands. And, and that's the part that a lot of people get stuck on because they don't want to die to self. They don't want to lay their life down. They don't want to lay down their dreams, their desires. They don't want to lay down their habits. They don't want to lay down their relationships. Pop quiz. No, don't answer out loud. I don't want to know. How many of you have relationships that God has told you are not good for you, but you still stay in them? I'm not talking about husbands and wives. In that case, you're in a relationship, you need to die to self and stop being so selfish. <laughs> anyway, if you... You've never given your life to Christ. You've never repented of your sin, but you, you know what? I need to do that. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to become a Christ follower. I want to take on his nature and character and invite the Holy Spirit into my life so he can start helping me to make better choices, helping me to live a righteous life. And I want to have eternal life with God. If that's you and you've never done that or never had the opportunity to do that, you're welcome to step out of your chair and come down here and I will have someone come and pray with you uh, to meet Jesus today. there's anyone in here, come on down. Just be brave. Thank you. There's one young man coming right now, I believe. Come on down, sir. Come on down. Norman Nadine, if I can borrow you for a moment, please. Come on down. What's your name? Matt. Congratulations. Is there anyone else that would like to join this young man here? Give your life to Christ today. Come on down. Come on down. Keep coming. Okay, thanks, you guys. You can be seated. You can take them to the back. Thank you. They're going to take you for a minute and pray. Come on down. Yeah, we got one more. No problem. If you just come over here to the left, Norm. So today... 
We're going to be continuing our conversation on the I will statements of Jesus. And the statement today that we're going to talk about is, I will do what you ask in my name from John that we read a little bit earlier in John 14. Now, contextually in John 14, Jesus is kind of starting to wrap things up from his time here on earth. He's getting ready to be crucified shortly, and he's going to be departing from the disciples and he's trying to encourage them because he knows what's coming, but they don't quite know what's coming yet. And, and I mean, their idea is he's going to deliver them from the Roman rule. And his um, plan is to die for the sins of all humanity and start the kingdom of God here on earth. You know, So um, a little bit of a contrast in what their expectation was. But Jesus is trying to tell them, look, guys, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you can pray in my name with the authority and power that I give you. Now, right off the hip hop, I just want to say this so that everybody has a clear understanding. When Jesus is saying, if you pray anything in my name, I will give it to you. It's not a magic vending machine that if you invoke in the name of Jesus, you get whatever you want. That's not quite what he was talking about. Some of you look really disappointed about that. <laughs> but let's talk about this. Let's, let's look at this. So... Jesus, he's telling us that we can pray in his name, we can pray in his power, we can pray in his authority. And the thing is this, the expectation is that we pray consistent with his will and his purpose. You cannot operate in the name of Jesus when you're not operating in the will of God and the purposes of God can't do it. And there's a lot of people that call themselves Christ followers and they pray in the name of Jesus, but they're not operating according to the will and the purpose of God. And they're frustrated because he's not answering their prayers how he, we think he should. Now, in Psalms chapter 37, verses three, four, and five, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. There's an alignment that we see happening in this verse here where it says, take delight in the Lord. If you're delighting in the Lord, if you're delighting in his words, if you're delighting in his ways, if you're delighting in obedience to his commands and living the life he's asking you to live, there's something that happens where your desires align with his will. And there's a merging of God's will and purpose for your life and his plan for how he wants to activate in the earth and your desires, they come into an alignment. But so many times people get frustrated because they want what they want and they want it now. None of you though. How many know that we all have needs? You all have needs. You need food. You need clothing. You need shelter. These are needs that we have. Are we doing okay? Okay. Then we have our wants. And then we have our greeds. Jesus says, if you're following me with all your heart, soul, and mind, I will take care of the food, clothing, and shelter. But if you're following him with your heart, soul, and mind, that means that your money's his, 
Your house is his, your food is his, your clothing's his, your life is his. And you're living in alignment with his desire and his purpose in your life. And he takes care of, you don't go hungry, you have clothing, and you have shelter. He takes care of that. That's what he promises us. And even if you look in the scriptures when he talks about this, he says, consider what? The lilies of the field. How great are they clothed? Or consider the sparrows. Not a single one falls to the earth without the fire. He talks about contextually food, clothing, shelter. But we tend to, you know, add to that list where God promises us a boat and a mansion. And you might get a mansion in heaven, but you may not end up with one here on earth. There's nothing wrong if you have one. Usually you get one by practicing his principles seed time and harvest and working hard. Now, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. There's an alignment between the purposes of your heart and the purposes of God's heart. They come into emerging. And when you're praying according to his will and his purpose, he gives you the desires of your heart. In 1 John 5, 13 and 14, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So we know in 1 John, he talks about we can have this assurance of salvation. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So how many knows implied within that you can ask for things that don't please him? I'll give you a really simple illustration. Can we do this again? Paul and Michelle. How long have you guys been married? <laughs> oh, that went way better than first service. <laughs> Still married. And you've been married to each other for 28 years. Okay. Young men, if you're believing God for a wife and you look up and see Michelle and start praying to God that Michelle's going to be your wife, God's not going to give you the desire of your heart. And Paul might punch you out. Oh, two sons for that? <laughs> anyway, actually, Michelle might take care of that herself. <laughs> my, my point is this. You're not praying. Thank you, guys. You wouldn't be praying according to God's will. Why? Because she's already married to someone else. Do you see how this works? That's really simple, isn't it? If you're asking God for someone that is already in a covenant with someone else, you're not asking according to his will. You're in lust, you're in witchcraft, you're in all kinds of things, but you're not in God's will and he's not going to give you the desire of your heart. Jesus demonstrates for us how to pray according to God's will. In Luke twenty two forty two. 42, he's in the garden. He's praying, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Okay, think about this. Jesus is looking. He's in the garden. He knows what's about to come. He knows the cross is before him, which entails crucifixion, which is one of the most painful deaths you'll ever experience. I'm not sure how many of you have died a painful death and you're sitting here with us today. But crucifixion is one of the worst ways to go medically anyways. Now, Jesus is looking and he, he realizes from reading that he's going to be crucified under the Romans. 
and he's praying to the Father. Uh, God, I know you sent me here to die for humanity, but if there's another way to do this, now would be a good time to invoke it. God, if there's another way to deal with this cup of suffering, let's do it. I'm all in. His humanity is praying here, isn't it? But what I want you to understand and realize and look at and see, he starts with, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus demonstrated for us how we're supposed to pray. God, if you're willing, let your will be done, not mine. How many of you surround your prayers with, God, if it's your will, I want your will, not mine? Think about it. Most of the time, we just tell God what we want and expect him to do it. Be real. Be honest. None of you have ever done this, though. None of you? Do some of you pray? <laughs> See, what I'm trying to communicate here is this. If we're going to pray according to the will of God, if we're going to pray his desires, we have to have some sort of an alignment. Now, I demonstrated a minute ago with Paul and Michelle, who graciously stood and told us how long they've been married together. Um, but what happens is he's never, you, you don't pray things that go against what the scriptures already teach and reveal to us. Okay. You cannot pray for financial prosperity if you are not practicing seed time and harvest with the tithe, which is holy, and giving to the poor. You can't ask God to prosper you in things when you're not even being obedient what he's already revealed to you to do. I watch people, they drink poison all the time and then they wonder why they're always sick. Wait, what? There's God's principle is always going to hold true within planet earth in your life, in our practice. God's always, his word is always going to remain truth. And what happens is if we try to pray something that goes outside of what he's already revealed to us, you're already in error. You're already not even praying in alignment with his will. Okay. John 15. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. Why? Because you're in Christ and his word is alive in you and his word is operating in your life and you're working to work out your salvation every day in your life. His words remain in you. And when his words are in you, you're going to pray forth his words. And when you're praying forth his words, he gives you anything you want. It'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father, which leads us to the second part of this. The purpose of answered asks or answered prayers from God's perspective is always the glory of God. Do you know that in my 51 short years on planet Earth, I have never healed a single person? I've never saved a single person. I have never delivered a single person. Because I don't heal anybody, I don't save anyone, and I don't deliver people. Now, Jesus, whose spirit lives in me, sometimes will choose to operate in this vessel, and he will produce healing in the lives of people that I have laid hands on. He heals them, I don't. 
And sometimes people get set free from spirits when I cast the devil out in the name of Jesus, but I didn't drive the devil out. Jesus drove the devil out. And I don't save anyone because Jesus is the only one who can save. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? See, in all that we do, God gets the glory. And, and the Apostle Paul does such a good job talking about this. Uh, let me go to Jesus first, then I'll go to Paul. Matthew 6, 9, and 10, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus establishes the holiness of God, the Father, the kingdom of God and his will on earth and in heaven is how we approach prayer. God, you're holy. God, it's about your kingdom. And God, we want to accomplish your will. Even when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he told us to pray in accordance with God's will, in alignment with his will. Now, here's where Paul talks in Ephesians 3. I'll start in verse 7. Now, now this is Paul reflecting, and he says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So it's the Holy Spirit that came into Paul's life that was a grace gift from God that gave him the ability to go out and do the things that God had told him to do or instructed him to do the assignment on his life, which was to preach the gospel, the message of hope to the Gentiles. To me, Paul says, though I am the very least of all the saints, God's people, this grace, which is undeserved, was graciously given to proclaim to the Gentiles the good news of the incomprehensible riches of Christ, the spiritual wealth which no one can fully understand, and to make plain to everyone the plan of the mystery regarding the uniting of the believing Jew and Gentiles into one body, which until now was kept hidden through the ages in the mind of God who created all things. So Paul's saying God had always had a plan for all humanity to come into his family, Jew and Gentile. He launched the plan through the Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish when he was here on planet Earth. He was born a Jew. He lived as a Jew. He operated as a Jew. He followed all of the Jewish laws and customs, okay, that God had set out, not the ones that the religious leaders had set out. And he fulfilled all of that to fulfill righteousness. Now, that said... When he died, his intention was that Jew and Gentile would come together in his family. And most of us in this room are Gentile. We're not Jewish. We didn't grow up Jewish. We weren't born Jewish. We're Gentile. But it doesn't matter because at the cross, we're all equal, and he united us into one family, and that was always his plan, is what Paul's saying here. So now, through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might be now be made known, revealing the mystery to the angelic rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is in accordance with the terms of the eternal purpose, which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. That is our faith gives us sufficient courage to freely and openly approach God through Christ. So I ask you not to lose heart at my sufferings on your behalf, for they are your glory and honor. So this is Paul kind of reflecting on his mission and his assignment. And he's basically saying, you know what? God has gifted me this. 
It's God's grace that I didn't deserve. I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm the least of the people doing this. But because God chose to assign this to my life, people can be blessed. And I have to walk through some stuff so that people can be blessed. But I'm going to continue to walk through stuff so that you can be blessed. If I have to suffer so you can be blessed, I'm okay with that, is what Paul just said. But ultimately, God gets the glory from his life. Then he goes on, right? And he says, for this reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which Jew and Gentile are joined together in Christ, I bow my knee in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does it sound like Paul's operating in pride or humility? I bow my knee to who? The king. From whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, God, the first and ultimate Father. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. And I didn't talk about that at first, but the truth is, it's, it's who you are and who he made you to be in conjunction with the power of the Holy Spirit will release your gifting to planet earth so that the nations of the world can be blessed. That's still good. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, being fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing the amazing endless love and that you may come to know practically through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled up through your being to all the fullness of God so that you might have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. You know how you have the richest experience of God in this life? Is when you fully experience his love. And you get filled up with his love and his great love for you. And the truth is, God loves every single person in this room so much that he was willing to die for you. He gave all that he had and the best that he had for you. And we just, sometimes I feel like we just get a glimpse of his love, a glimmer of his love, but he wants you to fully understand how much he loves you and the great depth and width and breadth and height of his love. And when you can stand firm in God's love for you as his child, as his son, as his daughter, it will help you because we love God, he loves us. We love ourselves, and then we love others. But if you understand his love, it helps you to other, understand his love for all humanity, and then you can see other people through a different lens. Because so many times, you know, we want to look at people through a different lens, like the guy who cut me off the other day on the roundabout. I wasn't looking at him through the lens of love. I had to do a little bit of work in my brain to get myself looking at it as God, that person is someone that you love. So I have to love them. So I'm going to break really hard so I don't knock them into next week. <laughs> but see, God loves us. And when you realize his love, everything else flows out of that. It'll help the way you pray if you realize how much he loves you and how much he loves others. It'll change the way you pray. But this is what I wanted to get to. Because we love this next verse, verse 20. Now to him who's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare to ask or think 
infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams according to the power that is at work within us. God's Holy Spirit within you is operating. So you've got the power of God inside of you that is able to do beyond what you can ask, beyond what you can imagine, beyond what you can pray. He can do beyond, super abundantly more (laughs) than you even dare to ask or think. That power is within us and works within us. But here's the catch. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To God be the glory. It doesn't matter how gifted, how much gifting God has poured out on your life or graced on your life. When you operate in that gifting at the end of the day and you complete the assignment that God has placed on your life, he gets the glory. There's people in here that can come up here and preach better than I can. But when you do that and you preach, you give God the glory at the end of the day. Because the gift that you have is from him and we use it for his benefit, for the benefit of the kingdom. But so many times we want to take the gifting that he's given us and we want to use it for our own personal benefit and gain in our own glory, not God's glory. And then we got it backwards. So if you want to stand in his authority and his power and ask in his name, then you need to understand when you're asking in his name, it means that you're asking consistent and aligned with his purpose and his plan and his will, which is consistent with what the word of God says. And it's consistent for his revealed will to you and the assignment that he's placed on your life. And then you pray with confidence because you know that God is going to do what he said he's going to do unless he's revealed it to you. But so many times we let our flesh get in the way and God who doesn't want to share glory with anyone and we try to share the glory for ourselves. Oh, look at that guy I prayed for. He got healed. I've had people come in and give me their resume. Here's my resume. Here's all the people that I prayed for and got healed. And I'm like, I appreciate your obedience, but at the end of the day, you didn't heal a single one of them. God heals them all. We got to think that way, because as long as you think it's about you, you're not giving God the glory. Anyway, stand up with me. My time is out already. Wow. Jesus, as we come to the table today, with the bread in our hands, we, we look at our own hearts, Lord. And if there's any sin in there, we repent of it. If there's unforgiveness, we release. If there's bitterness, resentment, unbelief, God, forgive us for not honoring you, not being obedient to you and your commands. But Lord, as we come before you with clean hands and pure hearts, I thank you that you love us and we can be deeply rooted and grounded in your love. That you've graced us. And that, Lord, as we purpose to ask in your name and your power and your authority, we can ask for things like, Father, I thank you that you're healing everyone that's sick in this room. In the name of Jesus. All disease has to go in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that minds are being restored to wholeness and anxiety and fear and unbelief and doubt and 
depression and discouragement have to go. Because we have a covenant-keeping God who loves us and has called us according to his purpose. So as we ask in the name of Jesus, I thank you that in your brokenness, you made a way for wholeness to happen in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our family, our church family, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the cup, the blood of the new covenant. You shed your blood for humans, myself included, and my friends and family that are here today. Father, as we have released forgiveness towards others, we receive forgiveness from you. We're free from the curse, we declare it. But Lord, I thank you that your love is being poured out upon your people that they can be sure, they can be rooted, they can be grounded, they can be saturated and overwhelmed and overflowing with your liquid love as you pour it out on their lives right now. And Lord, as we know and identify with you because you love us, your children, we can walk forth and take that love and share it with others every day and be the disciples that you've called us to be that operate in your name and in your power and in your authority. So Lord, help us as we ask in alignment with your will that everything that you put in our hearts will come to pass. Every dream, every vision, every goal that you've given us, every assignment on our life will be completed as we purpose to be obedient in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Pastor RJ. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of our leaders. They, they equip us well, don't they? So thank you for that message. Dad. 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 Richard Lieber. Richard, stay here. <laughs> thank you, RJ, Pastor RJ. Um, this is our second time hearing this message, and... It was awesome, as usual. When we were preparing for this, I was sharing, we were just talk, having a conversation, Paul and I, and I shared with him how in my early teens, I read a book called, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And that book stirred something in me to want to start having a conversation with God. And just in my own childlike faith, I would always, just like Margaret, I'd be, hello, God, it's me, Michelle. And I would lay on my bed or kneel before before I'm at my bed and I would pray I would just have conversations with him and just in my childlike faith I would pray dear God please all I want is a pool a BB gun and a dirt bike please please if you have it I'll I will wait and I would ask repeatedly I'm very persistent and I would ask and ask and ask and while growing up my parents always blessed us with vacations like really nice vacations. Sometimes we would go away for a month, two weeks, 10 days. And those vacations 
were the best. I would look forward to them forever. Like every year I would look forward, like where are they gonna take us? And I remember my dad one time, I said, how come we can't have a pool? He said, Michelle, you want a pool or do you wanna go on a vacation? Because if we get a pool, you're not going on a vacation next year either. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take the vacation. They knew what was best for us. As a good father can give good gifts to us, how much more would our father in heaven when we come to him? And when I was 19 years old, I, when I got saved, I remember doing the same thing, but I would go before my prayer table. But my prayers were different because I learned to pray in the name of Jesus. I learned to pray, Lord, let your will be done. Pray that all these people on my list, I had like 54, 56 people I'd pray for all the time. Lord, bring the gospel to them. Let them be saved like I am. But I learned to pray for his will to be done. It would bring joy to us. But as we abide in him, his word abides in us. And then on Wednesday night, I was coming home on the 401. And I was thanking him for what happened that night. And he reminded me. He said, you were blessed with a pool. You didn't get a BB gun, but I gave you a handgun, a rifle, and a shotgun. And I never did get a dirt bike, but I do have an ATV. So he even heard my childlike prayers. He did. So church, just remember what you've heard twice already in John. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And also just remember that She's a retired police officer. She does not have those guns anymore. <laughs> We're all good. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you've been equipped. Now go and be. Amen.